21 people have so far died from cholera in Hammanskral, north of Pretoria. Yesterday, on the 25th of May, the Department of Health said there were 29 confirmed cases, with around 183 people from the area in hospital with gastrointestinal conditions. Since the outbreak was announced over the weekend, we've seen the usual political mudslinging between different political parties as well as different levels of government. But as today's guests explain, all levels of government have been fully aware of the ticking time bomb at the Royval Treatment Works near Hamanskral, and they've known for almost two decades. I'm Ilse Salzfedel. This is another episode of Outer Insights, and it's my pleasure to welcome Watercans Executive Manager Dr. Fedil Adam, as well as Outer's Head of Social Innovation Julius Kleinans. You may also want to know that Outer was involved in the Hamanskral community in 2019 and even brought the Hamanskral Royval water issue under national government's attention. So nobody can claim that they didn't know. Julius, this isn't a new crisis. Please take us through the timeline as you know it. Uh, Ilza, this goes way back. It's, it's actually about two decades ago already that we've seen problems around Hammanskral and the Royval Wastewater Treatment Works. So, you know, various administrations have followed, but we haven't seen any progress, really. In fact, things have gotten worse. So um, it, it is actually absurd to think that in 2023, the capital city of South Africa, who should be leading by example, um, has found that community members drinking the water from and supplied by the city has gotten cholera. It's completely unacceptable and it's criminal. I would like us to go through a little bit of a history of what has been done specifically also by Auta. I know everybody has been involved here. I've read Afri Forum was there, Auta was there, um, the South African Human Rights Council did an investigation, issued a report, made some findings, um, and they actually referred this to the national government, urging them to do certain things, which apparently wasn't done. The city of Tswane is obviously involved. They are very much also at fault over the last two decades. But there's been a lot of blame going on in the past week in the press. But can you tell us, Julius, exactly what have you done from outer side? And I believe you were also involved in the project to a certain extent as early as 2011, even before Outer was established. That is correct. So um, this is a bit personal to me. Uh, I've been approached um, previously by the local community. It was more the farming community where... Uh, you know, obviously they use and abstract the water from the Alpes River to irrigate. So um, there was a sense of food security issues that, that we had to address, um, but also the contamination of boreholes. And um, consequently, we also found out that this water goes into the Leukale Dam, um, which supplies the Hamaskral community. So I got involved around 2010, um, where... I was in a position to also start engaging with the local community, uh, issuing uh, letters of demand to the city of Twane way back then. And with sort of 
applying pressure on the Department of Water Affairs back then, as well as the city of Tuane. The department declared for the treatment works and the Arpis River downstream a disaster area. Now, the reason for this declaration is there was no sufficient funds available to fix the problem on Royville. So um, the problem on Royville was a lack of maintenance, a lack of adequate funding to consistently upgrade it, and then the expansion throughout the city, which uh, increased the demand of sanitation that had to be treated and then discharged at a, a reasonable and complying level. Now, just for the listeners, a water use license basically compels the Water Services Authority, who is the city of Tuane, to clean that sewage water to a standard that is acceptable to discharge back into the Arpis River, which um, basically says that you need to treat raw sewage and discharge it at either zero E. coli per 100 milliliters of water or 1,000 E. coli per 100 milliliters of water because then that water be, will be diluted and the natural um, space and, and vegetation, the ecological components and wetland will clean that water to an acceptable standard. And then, obviously, if they abstracted it downstream, they could clean it and supply uh, clean water to the community. But this was not the case. So with this disaster declaration, they could bypass specific tender processes so that they can speed up the delivery and um, allocation of tenders, and then they could fix the wastewater treatment works. Now, we're talking about around 1 billion rand that was um, allocated to fix this. Now, folks should know that um, back then in 2013, in the state of the city address, the now Minister of Electricity, Minister Ramachopa, was the mayor of Tswane. So he had oversight in that. And in his state of the city address, he said that much of the equipment has been repaired and the city will keep a close eye on the situation until the extension and refurbishment of Royal Wastewater Treatment Works worth 1 billion rand is completed in 2015. So obviously, with the magnitude of civil works, you cannot just fix this overnight. That's the reason it took a year or two that they had to plan and uh, fix it. But yeah, the funds were allocated. And I think year on year, you could see that um, there was funds allocated to upgrade uh, the wastewater treatment works. But today, um, a decade later, we see that that was not the case. And uh, the question now remains, who has been taking the money, who's received it, what's happened with that, is there any expansion, were there any upgrades, why are the Hammonds Kroll community still sitting in a position where they don't have clean drinking water, and now even worse, how on the watch of various municipal managers and mayors over the last decade do we find ourselves now with 17 people have lost their lives, it is unacceptable and individuals should be held to account. Um, this is not something that just opened overnight. Just to speed up from 2013, in 2018, the Scroll Community Forum and other members of the Scroll uh, community were quite up in arms. They actually reached out to Alta and asked if we can't help them. Uh, the reason for that is they had complained saying that people are getting sick, people are getting diarrhea, their water stinks, uh, and the municipality is not listening to them. They are reaching out to our civil society to assist them in the problem. So what we did 
in 2018 in December, I met with the community and we started taking independent water samples in various areas throughout Amanskral to ensure that we can determine what the source of contamination is. And uh, following that, we've had various results. Um, firstly, in around in 2019, we picked up traces of E. coli um, and also nitrates. Now, this is usually from human excretion. So that is uh, definitely a direct pointing to the wastewater treatment works, contaminating the Arpis River where the water comes from which means that it, that water was not adequately treated by the drinking water supply system that was supposed to supply these people. And um, the city of Tuane is responsible for that water treatment work. So we've issued a letter to the Department of Water and Sanitation back then, as well as to the city of Tuane to respond. Um, funny enough, uh, the, the, the city of Tuane's mayor back then, as well as the a city manager said that um, our allegations are untrue and that the water was clean for the people. Uh, but yeah, we continued taking water samples and then we started seeing increases in chlorine. So when you want to flush a system and kill the bacteria, you flush it through um, dosing more chlorine, which in essence, over a long period of time, if you consume that, has carcinogenic consequences. So we could then show and prove that the city knew about uh, the contaminated water, but denied it in the public, obviously for political reasons. Not long after that, we could expose them again because we consistently took water samples every second to third week. And uh, then we got the attention from the Department of Water and Sanitation. And I think, you know, this sparked interest, um, whether it was because of political interests, because it was then a DA-run municipality and the ANC jumped on the bandwagon, we don't know. But we trusted that the Department of Water and Sanitation will intervene. And not long after that, the South African Human Rights Commission has also uh, joined in on that battle and they issued a scathing report against the city of Tuane. But um, in that process, when we started issuing these letters of demand, the city of Tuane started uh, mobilizing water trucks to get adequate and clean water to the people, which we believe was, was good as a short-term solution so that we could get drinking water to the, the community of Amonskral. But we, I think we, we made a mistake, sadly, and it shouldn't have been a mistake. We trusted that the Department of Water and Sanitation and South African Human Rights Commission's intervention will be adequate. So that's when we said, okay, um, we've done what we needed to. Uh, now let's uh, hand it over to, to these institutions. Um, we've seen, uh, following that, a uh, commission of inquiry by Parliament and uh, a lot of back and forth between political parties and political spats in the media. Auto was instrumental in taking a Hamanskral representative to Parliament to go and explain the situation. Am I correct? Yes, yes absolutely. We facilitated that um, and we also facilitate engaging with the um, Mayoral Committee of Twani, which we were invited um, to, which had the whole delegation. And, and for the first time ever in my, in my career, I saw consensus around the table between political parties that the situation in Amonskral was unacceptable. And we were thanked for the work there, which which was quite precious. But, you know, sadly, no one should be doing this kind of work. Um, it, sufficient drinking water is a basic human right. 
And we see that uh, in general in South Africa, this rights um, not being protected. And unfortunately, I suppose the lack of accountability is the root cause of the problem here because we need to see individual accountability. Otherwise, we won't see a, a different change in this. Ferio, I want to ask you, this crisis in Amanskral is really, really sad. It is one of the things that we shouldn't ever have to experience as a nation, but it's not isolated. Am I correct? We've seen cholera um, outbreaks in other parts of the country. And if I read the newspapers, it looks like we're sitting on a time bomb. Completely agree with you, Ilsa. I mean, I think that what is happening in Hamanskral is an example um, of what can happen around the country. Now, bearing in mind that cholera is not always caused by polluted water, it spreads very fast. So it could be that one person is ill and then they spread it through contact. It can also be spread through food. But I think given the state of our wastewater treatment works across the country and the amount of sewage pollution that's flowing into our rivers and streams, then yes, we are definitely sitting on a time bomb. You are a water activist. You've been a water activist for a long time. What are some of the main problems that you see in South Africa? Is it normal people polluting? Is it factories? Um, is it municipalities not doing what they should be doing? Uh, or is it a combination of all of this? It is definitely a combination of everything if we're looking at our water situation. So let's start with all of it, right? Julius has spoken about the fact that people need water user licenses. The first thing is people are using water without proper licenses. They are also allowing effluent into rivers and streams that they're not supposed to be doing. Now, the problem with that is it lies with government because there isn't adequate checks and balances in place. There's not enough enforcement. So we're not holding people accountable. The second, you know, so that's industry, that's the private sector that is polluting. You also have ordinary citizens, for example, who think how stormwater drains are a dumping site, who think our rivers are a dumping site. And they can do that because no one is holding them accountable either. But at the moment, Ilsa, the biggest polluter in our country right now is local government because of wastewater treatment works that are not working properly or not functioning properly across the country. And so they have become the worst polluter right now we have in South Africa. What can be done by normal people to put the pressure on government that we need to be able to have water security? Because if I read the newspapers and listen to you guys at Outa and Watercan, then I get a sense that water security is at stake here. I do agree with you. Water security is at stake. And I think what can people do? Outa has, has established two things. One is WaterCan, which is the Water Community Action Network. We also have the Community Action Network. And I think an important part of that is to for us to get more involved in the discussions around the IDP and the budgets around local government. And, you know, Julius can tell you about the amount of wastage that is happening at local government level. So I think that's the one thing is how do we as citizens monitor how money is being spent? But I think also, you know, we need to demand that um, the, the maintenance and the funding that is supposed to be set aside for maintenance of our infrastructure is done. That has not been done very well for over a decade, if not longer. So we're sitting with, you're right, with failing 
infrastructure. And my concern is that the present government and all parties, I'm not saying it's one party, I'm saying it's all parties, it's government, um, think that we need to build bigger and newer to deal with what we going on, what's going on right now in our country. And that's not the way to deal with it. We need to continuously repair and fix and maintain. There are instances where, yes, we have to build completely new wastewater treatment works. But I think there are some that's just being mismanaged and we can fix that. We've also seen corruption in the case of City of Tswani and the um, um crisis. I read that 252 million rand was given to Sodi, a guy that is implicated in the asbestos scandal in the Free State. So he's implicated already in state capture, but yet he was given another 252 million, which then escalated, interestingly enough, to 292 million rand. And he only completed half of the work, but was paid the full amount in advance. So corruption is at play here as well. Would it help to criminally charge cities and municipal managers and officials that are dumping us in this mess? That is part of our campaign. We're saying that it's not enough to charge the municipality as a whole because you still got the same people working there. They carry on. They've got their salaries. So they carry on doing what they're doing unless people start being held accountable. They need to lose their jobs. They need to be charged criminally. And unless that happens, this is going to go on around the country. But also, Ilsa, the private sector must also be held accountable. I mean, corruption is a two-way street. So both sides need to be held accountable. It is atrocious that given what is going on in Hammanskral, where people lost their lives with cholera, that not one person has said, actually, I need to resign. I believe um, the five officials implicated um, in awarding the bid to Edwin Sodi has been in disciplinary hearings since February. Criminal charges were laid against them in December, but we haven't seen any action on that. They haven't resigned, like you say. They haven't lost their jobs. They haven't appeared in court. We don't even know their names. Exactly. And the access to information, the secrecy that happens around even simple things like testing water. Like, let us know. You say you tested the water. You say it's clean. Can you share the results? Can we read the results? That kind of secrecy is the downfall of our government at the moment, local government, provincial and national. It's about having civil society needs access to information. As public, we have a right to the information. So yes, I completely agree with you. But also, we know that, you know, some of these criminal charges, etc., take time, but it needs to happen. So that's a, that's a step in the right direction. But it mustn't be the fall guys. It mustn't be the junior managers or the middle managers. It must be the senior managers. It must be the person that has oversight. And in some instances, the mayors must be held responsible and the municipal managers must be held responsible. I'd like to add to that, if I may, Ilza. Um, you know, we've seen recently, and this is good progress, but the problem we've talking about today is in most municipalities. I can tell you that about 95% of wastewater treatment works in this country is not compliant. So our rivers and dams are being polluted 
uh, quite immensely. And um, recently we've seen in the Tabatsuayo municipality, it's Leidenburg, as well as the Rand West municipality, where criminal charges were laid against the municipality because of the pollution. However, when these municipalities were found guilty, they were fined 10 million rand. And what Feral is talking about is we shouldn't charge municipalities we must charge the accounting officer, which is the municipal manager, and those people who have oversight and who are responsible for negligence when it comes to the contamination. Because it's not fair that a municipality must pay a fine. Because at the end of the day, it's the ratepayer that has to foot the bill. And that is unacceptable. So for as long as we don't see individual accountability, we will not see a difference. And our criminal law in the water and environmental legislation. It's quite strict, you know, for something like this. A municipal manager should be sitting five years to 10 years in prison or get that fine themselves. And I think that's what we all need to push hard for. I want to ask you about the Val uh, River pollution. That's been in the news, but like with all South African crisis and scandals, we tend to forget about the last one when we hear about the new one. At one point, the South African Defence Force was called in to come and save the Val. Um, there was a lot of money promised. I don't know if any of it was actually allocated. But I know that the municipality of Imfuleni, for instance, they, they also have big problems with clean water and with water treatment uh, plants not working. What's happening there? Do we have any idea? So the last that I had heard, I mean, I think you're right. The Val is very concerning, especially since it supplies um, water to almost 17 million South Africans, right? So I think Rand Water uses Val and I think it's four or five provinces that get water from there. I may be corrected. Yes, yeah, it's Gauteng and it's parts of the Free State, the Northwest yeah. Um, so it's it's a very, very important water source. Yes. And I think that what had happened is when, you you know, the issue became quite in the news and it was everyone was talking about it. Yes, the SANDF came in. I'm not quite sure what they were involved in doing. And the Human Rights Commission had hearings. But then, you know, um, not enough had been done after that. But I do know that the functioning of Emphaleni is basically been taken over and uh, in terms of water supply by Randwater. So Randwater was given the task of doing not only the bulk water supply, but then also getting the water to the different areas. They were supposed to be paid. They were supposed to be given um, a large amount of some. I think it's something I need to correct my check my stats, but I think it was about one billion that they needed to fix. But they were only given 250 million. And the last, in my last conversation with activists from the Val, they said that Rand Water was only able to stop some of the leaks and, and fix some of the pipes, but not the actual wastewater treatment works that is completely damaged in the Val. So I think there's still also high levels of pollution happening in the Val, but not being monitored enough. Okay, so what I'm hearing is um, 
vicious cycles of uh, incompetence, non-service delivery, blaming national government getting involved, national government leaving. Um, it's, it's just, it sounds like a complete and horrible mess. But what I would like to just end off with is we've now seen the results of more than 19 years of inaction, basically, um, in this Hamanskral incident erupting with people dying. But what is happening to the area around Hamanskral? I've come across some um, articles about how it's affecting the farmers in the area, how it's affecting the supply of food because the contaminated groundwater eventually poisons the soil. It means they can't actually produce any crops there that's fit for human consumption. Very, very concerning picture that is painted there and some reports on the soil said it cannot ever be undone. But what is your take as water experts? Can we stop this? Can we turn this around? Yeah, look, um, so that risk applies to any irrigation scheme in in the country because really, um, like we've mentioned, most, if not all, wastewater general works in the country are polluting our rivers. And sewage contamination is a hazardous waste. So it is a real risk uh, for food security and the economy. You know, I, I think you touched on it, Ilza. Yes, it can be turned around. You know, the beauty of nature is when you fix, for instance, the Royval wastewater treatment works, over time, vegetation and the wetlands and the natural processes will clean the river itself. You don't have to go and throw money in the water by trying to rehabilitate it extensively. Um, but it is about the integrity and, and sustainability of ensuring that we don't pollute. So that's the one thing. Soil contamination, yeah, you, you can also rehabilitate that over time. But, you know, the process needs to be addressed. And this is this is basically the chain reaction or the chain effect that we need to, as civil society, as well as um, those in charge, need to ensure that it, it follows uh, an in, a, a credible process. So firstly, People using sanitation facilities must ensure that they don't throw any rubbish and sanitary pads and all those kind of things down the drain because that blocks the drain. And then the sewage runs out of a manhole and it never even gets to the wastewater treatment works. Security needs to be on its, you know, it needs to address the problems when it comes to cable theft and so on because a lot of these sewer works need pump stations to, to push the sewage towards them. Then what you touched on is uh, competent people. I think it's very important, and that is a major concern in our, in our water treatment works throughout the country, is the inadequacy when it comes to competency of people who are qualified, who can get the job done and make sure that they fix wastewater treatment works. We've seen that regulations have been delayed on this because of politics, basically. Then also, adequate funding for wastewater treatment works. You know, with expansion in our towns and urbanization and all that, it's very important that one consistently upgrades and create additional capacity, but also start reusing water adequately so that you don't consistently put too much pressure on the, this infrastructure. But for that, you also need proper funding. And um, currently we're paying for water and sanitation to the municipality, but that money goes into the municipal pot. And for as long as municipalities keep themselves busy with things that's not in line with their mandate, and that is to supply basic services, um, the money will not get to where it needs to go. And um, we need sufficient funding to, to go into uh, the sanitation 
um, and waste sort of infrastructure throughout the country. And then lastly, um, you need proper civil oversight and proper partnership between government and civil society and business because government cannot do this alone. So we need credible businesses who are involved. We need business um, to also you know, start running some of these wastewater treatment works. And if you get that kind of security in place, you will have the investment and funding to ensure that you've got more advanced technology and better maintenance and management of these facilities to ensure that you reuse water because uh, water is finite, population and demands growing. And uh, we need to ensure that uh, through town, proper town planning and uh, management of these resources that we do become more, I would suggest, like Cape Town, where we see that water is not something that just comes out of the tap, but it's something that we need to actually nurture and do our part in conserving ourselves. So I, I think that moving forward, Julius is, is correct. We, we need to have a better respect for our water resources and everyone. I think that there's a lot more focus that needs to be done on education and awareness on exactly what Julius was talking about, with, you know, dumping and what can and cannot be thrown into the toilets, etc. That is important. It might sound silly and it might sound small, but it's actually clogging up our infrastructure. So we need that kind of awareness raising as well. As water can, we are building a network of activist citizen scientists across the country. And I think it has been empowering because for a long time, people would say, I think there's something wrong with my water. It tastes funny or I have been getting sick after my I drink my water. But now we have these tests that's accessible. We would love to get um, these tests out to as many people as possible where people can do their own tests and they can add it into our portal, which is an online map. It's called Map My Water. And uh, we can get, you know, we can get a picture of what is going on out there. So I think that citizen science plays a role in the, 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 in the building blocks and the, the stepping stones to working towards securing our water resources. And, you know, we test the, the testing kit that we use looks at chemical parameters like nitrates, nitrites, but also the bacterial ones, which is important right now across South Africa in terms of E. coli. So I think that um, we have a long way to go. We need to get people on board to support us to get these kits out to as many people as possible. And I think with that, we can democratize water because then people on the ground could actually say, actually, this is what's going on in my water. I've tested it. And this is what we think is, you know, needs to be done. Right now, we don't have that. We wait for the results from city of Joburg or any municipality. And, and that leaves us nowhere because we're not getting that information. So we need to empower ourselves with citizen science activism. It's about knowledge building and it's about democratizing our water resources. Thank you very much, Dr. Ferial Adam. She is the executive manager of Watercan, a proud outdoor division. And thank you very much, Julius Kleinanz. Julius is the executive manager of social innovation at Alta. You've listened to Alta Insights podcast. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends. And please remember that Alta and Watercan is dependent on public donations to do our job. So go to 
www.alta.co.za to contribute to Alta. And you can also check out Watergun's work and donate to them by going to their website, watergun.org, and follow us on social media. Music.